Hey, welcome everyone. I'm Don Newton, host of Open Air on KPOV 889 FM, High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing Wednesdays at 5 p.m., Open Air is a weekly one-hour entertainment talk show featuring conversations with authors, local youth, entertainers, sports figures, and more. Listener-supported, volunteer-powered, we are KPOV Bend, Oregon, and this is Merle Evers. The views and opinions expressed during the following show are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect that of KPOV or High Desert Community Radio. She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Open Air with Don Newton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Open Air. I am your host, Don Newton. You are listening to 889 KPOV, your high desert community radio, where we are streaming live online 24 hours a day at kpov.org. You can find us on all the social platforms, um, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me there, too, as Don Newton. Um, coming up on today's show, I am pleased to have a real person in studio. It's been <laughs> We're getting more and more of that since we've released some of our COVID restrictions. So I'm very pleased to uh, present with you today. Todd L- Luby is here. He's the executive director of the Ben Film Festival. And uh, we're going to talk all things Ben Film, the theme this year, filmmakers, uh, how he got into this, because he was in construction before, if I read that correctly uh, ages, ago. ages ago so i want to hear a little bit about that and um and depending on how long i can capture him here in the studio might try to keep him the hour but probably 30 minutes or so um and if he does have to uh leave us i've got dr daniel amen here he's going to be talking about his book uh feel better fast unlock your brain's healing potential to overcome negativity anxiety anger stress and trauma you've seen him all over newsweek time magazine new york times huffington post all the shows he's been there but he's going to join us today to help us kind of maybe rewire our brain or be curious about it so uh stay tuned when we come back uh todd's going to be talking with us uh, executive director been film and um, I'm looking forward to our conversation so I hope you do too we'll be right back hi everybody wherever you may be this is Bill Shinley and you're listening to Don Newton, Rip City, baby. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Open Air. I am your host, Don Newton. Uh, Todd Luby, your mic is on now. Wonderful. <laughs> I had a Ten, friend nine, text me, turn eight. his mic on. Um, you're the executive director for Ben Film. Yes. And the film festival um, is October 6th through the 23rd. Um, in person, October 6th through the 9th, and then streaming online the 10th to the 23rd. Mm-hmm. So, um, executive director, we've got a theme going on this mm. year, Connection. Mm-hmm. And that was... With the festival. Yeah. Yes. Tell us about, I mean, how did you become involved? Because you've been involved since 2014. 14. And mm-hmm. how did that get started for you? Yeah. Um, well, before I start, I just want to thank you for having me. It's been way too long since I've been in the studio of KPOV, and it's just so cool to be back here and, you know, um, and welcomed here. You all are always the best. So 
it's just a thrill. I, I love what you guys do here, and it's it's a really an honor and a pleasure to be back in person doing this face to face. Oh, I love the, it. The listeners at home can't see that, but and we can. I can return that to you. There, and there's no barrier. Well, I I love live because that's where it's it's just I do a lot of phone, but mm, yeah, the live yeah, just is not, just that yeah. energy and having the conversation face to face. Yeah, there's nothing better. I guarantee if we were on a phone call, mine would drop <laughs> four times, and you would, oh, sorry everybody, Todd, we lost him for a second. Test, test, I'm gonna test. have to go back. And... Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's just it's you know when I've been involved with technology my whole life, and it's never uh, been easy. It. it I think I do it. I'm more involved in technology just because it fails so often for me that I always think, well, the, you know, next time it's going to work. Yeah. And, you know, so any Zoom call that I'm on, I'm like, yeah, you know, I know a lot about tech. And I, this one's going to be great. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. No. Nope. I have no control over. Well, I, I appreciate you coming in. And yeah. what you just said about being here, we can um, reciprocate towards you as well. It's, um, well, thank you. Bringing members of the community in to KPOV, and um, you know, you're the guest of honor. Mm-hmm. So it's all about you. Thank you. It's all about you. So as yeah, executive director, doing a little research on you too, and that was one thing I always do is like, who is Todd Luby? Via Google or? Um, no, your bio. Oh, okay, good. Just your own Wikipedia. <laughs> this is what these are your words. Uh, Todd. Oh, okay. So they're coming back to haunt you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that um, so you've been at the helm here at, at Ben Film since 2014. Yes. So eight years. Yes. Um, and you've been doing film for almost I would say close to 20 plus years. Gosh, has it been that Maybe long? Maybe long. When I was just looking at some yeah. of the the years yeah, on yeah. here. Oh man, yeah, 20. Yeah, it probably O2 is. But before that, uh, you were um, business manager for Chicago's largest general construction firm. Yeah. So the segue that was what I was curious, but. Right. Also thinking about it, it's like, well, construction, you're having to create and build, yeah. you know, kind of storyboard it uh, as it's well. A look at you. Yeah, that's very astute. That's uh, You know what I mean? How- well, yeah. I mean, I, I love that you went there because in f- the first attempt I had at filmmaking when I didn't know what I was doing, this was, uh, I don't know, I, I started this movie in 04 when I was a construction manager. But the whole movie is essentially coming to this realization that, you know, being on a construction site is the perfect allegory for filmmaking. Well, in construction, because when you, depending on whether it's high-rise building, a home, whatever that happens yeah. to be, the end result tells a story, how That's you right. feel, mm-hmm. the takeaway, yeah. how do you feel? I mean, so I see I, I see the the correlation, the oh, relationship yeah. between it, but also, so it was film, because I was looking at you studied both uh, film, uh, film studies coursework, and then also your civil engineering. Yeah. So how that segue went from that? So you left construction completely into film. Yes, I did. Um, yeah. So uh, let's just say going back to college, I had um, you know this was before really there were a lot of film schools. Like maybe you know you had your UCLA's and USC's, New York, you know, University of Columbia, whatever. Um, you know, so those like established film schools or art schools, but in the early to mid nineties, you know, not now every school has a film school, has a film program, film major, but I went to the university of Illinois and there was no real film major. So, you know, uh, I was just taking English classes and one of the English classes was intro to film. And I took that as a freshman when I was an engineering student. And then I was just kind of hooked. But, you know, like no one was a filmmaker in the 90s. Like that wasn't a thing people talked about necessarily. So it was just a really weird process of going there. So 
I never, I, I was enthralled by it, but I never pursued it because I didn't think it was a real thing. You know, I, I lived in Chicago on the south side of the city and there were no people that were filmmakers that I could point to and be like, you know, everyone was just like a cop or a fireman. And I didn't know any filmmakers. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't a real career. So I'll just, you know, the, you know, study other interests like environmental science and engineering and that. So that, that's what I did with in the back of my mind always loving film and wanting to you know just just pursue it if if opportunities arose how long were you in construction before you completely left that yeah. arena into the other yeah i mean the interesting thing is that you know like while i was you know in school uh the, the last semester that i was in my master's program in environmental um sciences and engineering i um i got a uh uh, they landed a role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was a, you know, a, a play that some group in, at school was doing. And I just got hooked on acting. And then soon after that, I got a digital camera um, that my friend um, acquired under suspicious circumstances <laughs> and just taught myself filmmaking, you know. So um, I was and then again, you know, being enthralled with the process and by the late nineties, it was sort of still catching on now, you know, you had your indie icons like Tarantino and Kevin Smith and all these stories and Linkletter and, um, Allison Anders and all these stories that people just like, Hey, you know, Kelly Reichert, who's in Portland, another great example from of nineties filmmakers who sort of just showed everyone that you can have, you know, a camera and a crazy idea and actually, make a movie and then kind of have a career so those it started becoming more real the the longer the 90s went on but i had to make a living so i was went back to chicago and i was doing improv um at uh the former improv olympic now called the io and uh i had this camera i was teaching myself filmmaking just filming and editing crazy things um and then so I was doing that at night, and during the day I was in my construction job. So I did that for about seven years. Um, and then my construction company hired me to make a documentary about the building of a, a new air traffic controller at O'Hare Airport. And that was really cool. So, like, I filmed, like, the whole process for about 18 months or something. I would just show up at the site and film these guys and interview them about the process. And, um, yeah, and then they paid me a good amount of money. Enough to quit the job, the day job. So yeah. and the rest is history. And the rest, yes. The, the, there's a lot of things that happen in between, but uh, you know, long story short. And the way you edited and then and putting film together and putting the end result together, how is that different from today? What kind of, you know, did we have? Yeah, you know, we didn't couldn't do it on your phone then. I'm sure. No, there were no, you know, <laughs> there were no phones. But you know, like the first phone, I, cell phone I had was in construction. And it was a. Um, Oh, what were they called? It, it was it, it was even before a BlackBerry, but it was they called it the brick. Oh and yeah, it was like half walkie-talkie and half phone, and like you huge. Know. Yeah, and this is like ninety-nine through oh one. Um, but anyway, the, those were the cell phones, and I think in like oh two or oh three, like the iMac, it was the first model of the iMac that had kind of the the little articulating thing that connected the monitor to the to the computer the computer was just like this half circular pod and then the, there was a flat screen that it was articulated anyway 
uh, before that, all iMacs were just one big unit. If you remember, the monitor was just like, and it was, you know, this weird like alien head shaped <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. But when they had the first those those iMacs, that's the first iMac I got. So I, you know, I had some money. I was making decent money in construction, and then I um, I bought one of those. And so they had a, iMovie then, which is obviously still it hasn't changed even much in twenty years. Um, you know, which my kids are learning on their iPads, right? So it's it's kind of the same technology. But before I even had that computer, I was, and, and I was just doing this, not the technology existed, but I was just doing is having two VCRs, um, you know, whatever, uh, sequenced and then running a, uh, a sound mixer through it. So kind of teaching myself that. So I would play something off of my mini DV camera, um, which was a really, it was kind of an experimental model that could fit in my pocket. So this is in like 99 where I could, I carried a mini DV camera everywhere that fit really right in my jeans pocket. And I would just take it out and film everything. And then at night, you know, edit this on two VCRs. So I would feed the, I would feed the mini DV into one VCR, loop it to a, you know, and then I would record on one VCR, hit pause on the other. Um, or yeah, what did it, what did it do? Yeah. So like, yeah, the mini DV would feed through one VCR, play on one, and then I would like rec pause and record any of the stuff that would go through to the next one, and run a sound mixer through it so that I would just I would make all these <laughs> these layers of things that are just so easy on like a timeline in Premiere nowadays. Um, but it taught me the mechanics and all that. Oh, to be like, incredibly resourceful, you know, the creative. Right, and to be resourceful. Exactly. All of that like, came which, together yeah. that you had studied. Yeah. And then you've won several awards with your movies that you've done. I mean, just looking at your bio that you wrote. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, they're, they're what do we have? There. We have Lefty. Yeah, yeah um, that was the last narrative feature I made. Uh, let's see. What was that? Was the top ten movies? Oh no, not Lefty. Lefty, yeah, was one of the, the the first real one I made. Yeah, Son of None. Son of None was a yeah short film I I made and won something at Slam Dance. So it's Way um, back when. Uh, let's see. Well, last narrative feature, be good. Be good. Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah. And what are you working Which on a now? Long time ago. Uh, nothing. I I, I was. You've been just been filmed. Been filmed. Yeah. That's a lot uh, to work on. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you end it's up a lot. in Bend? It's fun. Uh, th th through getting this job. And just... As, yeah, so uh, I was looking to move out west, um, and the job popped up when I was looking for Portland jobs, and I had a good friend who lived in town uh, who was going to school for forestry, and you know he would always post these amazing things about what he was doing there. And, you know, interestingly enough, when I was looking to move out west, uh, another job came up in Bend, um, at Wahoo Films that I was, I think, close to getting, but at the end, you know, just turned it down because I needed health insurance. I'm a diabetic, so I needed health insurance. And, um, you know, a lot of small companies couldn't offer that at that time. So uh, I had to defer that. So that was like in 2012. And then uh, while I was still looking in it, you know, this was during the re recession, so there weren't a whole lot of jobs open. Right. Um, and things started to open up in 2013 and 14. And luckily, while I was looking out here, this job popped up and I went for it. It sounded awesome. Um, and I had some fest programming experience and business management experience. And I was currently a, uh, an ED for another nonprofit in Chicago. 
um, and you know, obviously the filmmaking experience. So I, you know, was able to, um, you know, uh, get the job based on that myriad of experience that seems all kind of like comes together. Fit. Yeah, oddly enough, it it seems to all work That's together. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Open Air. I'm your host, Don Newton. We're talking with Todd Luby. He's the executive director for Bend Film. Um, the film festival, this is the 19th film festival. It's the 19th, yeah, almost 20. 19th annual yeah. film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, starts in October. Now, we've got it in person from October 6th to the 9th, and then virtual October 10th through the 23rd. That's correct. Yes. So the difference, why the two? Um we just want as many people as possible to experience these incredible films uh, and filmmakers that we have. So um, we have a really great online system. Um, you know, we've been with this ticketing company since 2016. We were the second festival to use this ticketing company. And now they um, have expanded to offer these virtual festivals, virtual cinemas. Uh, and, um, you know, it's it's one of the biggest uh companies in that space both of film festival ticketing and these virtual things so it's a sweet awesome easy to use system and you know people can tune in um if things aren't geoblocked people can tune in from all over the world to watch uh what's going on in ben film and the first year we did this in 2020 with the virtual because we couldn't have an in-person festival other than some drive-in screenings we did uh, we had people tuning in from 14 countries. That's amazing. Almost every state. And it was it was super cool to see how many people were kind of hungry for the stuff that, uh, you know, these great independent filmmakers were making. So well, the demand, you know, never went away, which is cool. Well, I'm thinking about that, too. You know, during those two, two and a half years of COVID, um, what people were doing, again, that resourcefulness, mm-hmm. you know, pivoting, you know, we got to pivot whatever right. direction that looked yeah. like. How was that for Ben Film? Well, I, to be honest, it was relatively easy because um, we always wanted to go there, too. Like, you know, uh, the idea was there's so much film stuff online. How do we get in that space? And there were so many barriers at that time uh, for in a small organization to be uh, online and distributing films online. So, you know, back then, um, it was really back then. <laughs> March <laughs> we like to of twenty twenty. <laughs> March of twenty twenty. You know, there was Netflix and Amazon for the most part, right? Uh, Prime, and you know, like you had your uh, pays, like oh, iTunes, streaming. yeah. But you know, uh, Netflix and Amazon were the thing, and like you know, everyone they wanted all the online content to be on those channels. And YouTube had paid stuff too. But anyway, you know, like, so um, there was no content and there was no way to really for us to like host the host these films to put a paywall, you know, in front of them so that you can make money by exhibiting these films. And then pandemic hit and all of a sudden there was all these great films that had no theaters to go to. So all these distributors who own this film, own these great films were like, how do we make our money back you know they bought these films so right away they turned to festivals and independent theater so ben film you know having the festival and having a really you know uh engaged and smart audience um as well as having the tin pan again you know engaged smart audience that also looks to us to be sort of the curators and tastemakers so these film companies said, well, 
there's no better and they have no advertising budgets like independent film distributors. So there's no better advocate for their films than people who run film festivals and people who run uh, art houses, you know, kind of like the Tin Pan. So they said, well, how do we, you know, so now they were way more willing to let us put out their content to our people. And we do all the advertising like, hey, people, you know, uh, watch these movies. And at the same time, there was no there was no platforms for us to host films. So the funny thing is about the ticket company I was just talking about, it was it was invented, you know, the kid was 15 when he invented it. Um, you know, he was uh, this kid, a high school kid in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. His dad worked for Indie Memphis, a film festival there. And that's where our programmer at the time lived. And he said, hey, this ticket system's pretty great. Let's use it. So in 2016, we were the second festival to use this ticketing system. Four years later, this kid's now 19 at Stanford. Mm-hmm. pandemic hits he's got to come home because they close the campus and then he just sat down in a week and invented this whole platform that um uh that people like us can it can post films host films put that paywall like all those things i was talking about the barrier it was just in two weeks just erased and now it's i would say probably the industry the standard that's you amazing know, the, in, the industry leader in this ticketing and as well as it's amazing, yeah. Eventive is the system. It's it's remarkable. We're going to take a really quick break. Can you you can stick around for the next thirty minutes? Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get all into Ben Film behind the scenes, the theme for this year, all the films that are coming through. How do you pick them? All those things and more. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. We'll be right back. More with Todd Luby, executive director of Ben Film. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Open Air. I am your host, Don Newton. Uh, you are listening to 889 KPOV, your high desert community radio, where we're streaming live online 24 hours a day at kpov.org. Uh, in studio with me today, um, in which, again, thank you for coming in. I appreciate um, these conversations from our community members. Todd Luby is the executive director of Ben Film, and that's starting um, this October. And so, yes, it is August. It is a couple months away, or well, never month and a half. Early. Never too early. Prefer. Never too early because mm-hmm. those tickets go fast. They do, and yeah. so people can start. Um, and there's, and there's a lot to look at. So you gotta, yeah. You know, we're we're gonna release our feature films tomorrow. Yeah, and that's th- twenty movies in itself. So like, it takes a lot to like go through those and say like, yeah, I'm gonna definitely see that and that. So well, and if I look, you gotta at get the numbers, started early. It's like you have 13 indie features and 82 short films from around the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these um, short films, if I'm reading this correctly, are um, Oscar qualifiers. Yes. Are they- yeah, so we haven't had the, like, the final decision on shorts yet. But the, the coolest thing that's happened um, in the last year is that uh, you know, now we are one of 27 U.S. Fests that's Oscar qualifying. So any you know, film... And that's in three categories. So the film that wins the best narrative short at Ben Film or the best animated short or the best indigenous short um, is now eligible to be nominated for an Academy Award. That's that's how did Ben Film get accepted or get put in that arena? That Yeah. Um, the, you got to do a couple things. Like, you know, you have to prove that, you you know, you can program like really you first of all that people submit some of the best shorts that are out there um and that's always sort of been the case we've always had high quality submissions that come in that we look at and, and evaluate for the 
for the fest? And two, like, what have you programmed that has gone on to do something? And, you know, at least in the past, you know, five years, we've had quite a few Oscar winners, you know, show here uh, for short films. So they they say, okay, well, these these people know how to program and they um, have the visibility to to uh, to get submissions uh, from the best filmmakers. And then it's, you know, who was at the fest that can vouch for us? So what what who in the academy, you know, some academy member has to write a letter of recommendation on our behalf to apply for that. So, um, yeah, we, we both had a great recommendation. Um, Congratulations yeah, on that. And, you know, we have that curatorial um, uh, reputation. Which so. provides more incentive to filmmakers to submit to Ben Film. And That's how many right. film festivals, That's I right. mean, and not that I need the exact number, but roughly film festivals around the United States. I mean, I'm sure around the globe it's Yeah, I, I've been quoting 3,000 for years, but uh, I have no idea what it is now. I'm sure it's, yeah, I don't know. After that, maybe even more since the pandemic, because maybe there are a lot of virtual ones arose. But yeah, it's it's over 3,000, at least worldwide. That's crazy. So, yeah. How so many... there's 57 in the world that are Academy qualifying, and we're one of 27 in the States. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the shorts program is amazing, yeah. yeah. How many films get submitted? Indie films, mm-hmm. I guess, and then short films. What, what, well, okay, hold yeah. on. Let me back that up. Yeah. Define an indie film. Uh, for an indie film, for me, is just, you know, it's one that's not backed by a studio that has no, that has no path to hitting a theater during its production. Okay, that, that's like the basic you know, definition of an indie film. Because an indie film, frankly, could be a $10 million movie. And it could just be self-financed and you're going to Sundance and you, you spent $10 million on your movie. You raised $10 million and spent it and you're going, you know, you know first of all, <laughs> hoping to get into Sundance, which is no cakewalk, to, to then get in front of someone who wants to spend more than $10 million to buy your movie and then put it out in the world. Now, 10 is like probably the highest there's ever been as far as someone who's produced that on their own without any guarantee of production. Um, but, you know, it, it could be from $10 million to $5,000, you know, an independent film. So, the, But the basic definition is that there's no... There's no built-in avenue. Yeah. So, you know, for something like, uh, I don't know, there's a studio, Marvel movies, you know, Marvel pays for the production in total before it's even made. Well, you know, mostly. Um, So that thing is going to hit theaters. We know that, you know. Um, And that, you know, in, in Netflix, the same when they make new movies, you know, say like The Irishman. They throw a hundred million dollars at Scorsese. He makes the Irishman, and then it it's out in the world on Netflix. An independent film just has no guarantee that it's ever going to see the light. It of just day. has to run on its own merit and strength, and yeah, exactly. And reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a short film. What is that? Is that just by length? Yeah, it's by length. Is yeah. that that's yeah. the difference between that? Yeah, I think our official like definition is forty five minutes and under. Okay, is, is forty four and under is a short. 45 and over is a feature. So how many movies, Mm -hmm. shorts, and indies do you get? So I think this year we basically had a record of 1,600 films. You know, the vast majority of them are shorts, probably like 1,000 shorts and 600 then features split into 
our outdoor and indigenous features, documentary features, uh, and uh, narrative features. How do you sort them? Do you watch every one of them? Me? No. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time when I did. (laughs) But uh, I will say that our head of festival program, Celine Sabine, does watch probably most of the the 1,600 movies that come in. Yeah, she's very dedicated. That's amazing. And that's nice. She doesn't have to do that, but she does. And the other question... Because we have a committee. Like, I, I just want to say, like, we have... A great programming um, staff of our senior documentary program, Beth Jasper, shorts programmer, Warren Etheridge, and Celine, you know, basically does our narrative features, uh, but also the festival. Um, she she watches anything before it gets actually into the festival. So, and, and, and then a community members who volunteer to watch. To watch them. A lot of these 60, yeah. So they volunteer to, to help us. Um, and do you score them? These. Do yeah. you rate, how do you decide? Yeah, we uh, we rate them and have everyone you know write about it so we know why they liked it, why they didn't like it, uh, and then we have uh, multiple meetings throughout the process to you know argue about movies. So and then someone could hate something, someone could love something, and you know it. it you know, there's so much subjectivity, so we want to try to extract that and it really you know make sure everything we're doing is is going to work. And then do you send out reject letters? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are hard to get as filmmakers. I've got oh, I quite bet. a few of them in my day. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So one of the things I was reading in about Bend Film, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, isn't so the the film festivals, and this is something to educate me on too. It says yeah. um, uh, that Bend Film will continue its filmmaker focused efforts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, isn't isn't it always about the filmmaker? Why yeah, is I, that word particularly used? Well, you know, it's you could look at festivals. I mean, festivals have multiple audiences. In that, you know, you are in multiple constituents. So, yes, you know, let's just say the film festival is you're showing movies, so you're just a film exhibitor. So I'm just like the Regal or McMinimins. We're putting a movie on the screen. And we want people to come. So we're serving that, those people that see the movie. Um, but what's different about film festivals is you're also serving the filmmaker. You know, So you're serving the filmmaker by giving them this platform, again, that they, they wouldn't otherwise have. So when we say that it's you know, something that's independent, you know, they're not guaranteed to find – they make this movie and they – blood, sweat, and tears, whatever. It's never guaranteed to see the light of day. They could – put it up on YouTube now, but, you know, there's how many videos are on YouTube? No one's going to see it. So, you know, we serve the filmmakers by, you know, uh, you know, curating their film and, and saying, yes, this is this is a film and a filmmaker that deserves to be seen, that people need to know about, that people need to see, that people need to talk about. And this filmmaker needs to be validated uh, for the work and they need that inspiration to continue to do it because the odds are that the movie that they're putting on the screen, the festival won't make a dime and they'll potentially be in debt after this movie. So how do you inspire someone who, you know, may have kids and then may be married and whatever else to continue doing something that, you know, is really risky. And that's the way you, that's, that's what serving filmmakers does. So you put on a festival that, helps a filmmaker get that audience 
that they wouldn't otherwise have. Get them reviews. Potentially get them in front of someone who buys movies. So, you know, we have distributors every year in our jury. So they see these movies from our independent filmmakers and the distributor, you know, who, who puts out films to theaters across the country goes, you know what, this is a, I, I didn't even know about this movie. This movie didn't go to so, uh, Sundance. It didn't go to South by Southwest. I didn't know about it. It's pretty awesome. Um, we should buy this movie, you know. So that happens too, uh, even here. And you so never that know helps who's the filmmaker. The audience, right? You never, yeah, you never know. But the good thing is, like, we, yeah, in, in the filmmakers, when they're submitting, don't know who our jury will be, but they know that we have these high quality jurors. You know, like I was just saying with the, the Academy um, member who, um, who uh, referred, recommended us. Uh, it's Peter Gilbert, who uh, was co-director of Hoop Dreams, you know, this amazing filmmaker in Chicago. And, uh, you know, he was on our jury. So any documentarian, when he was on the documentary jury, anyone who's in our competition for documentaries goes, oh, wow, Peter Gilbert's going to see my movie. Holy, this is great. You know, the director of Hoop Dreams, one of the best documentaries ever, uh, is going to see my movie. This might do something for me, or at least the movie, or at least if I hear that Peter likes my movie, I know that, you know, I'm not messing around. You know, I know that this, I'm talented. And, you know, so the festival also, you know, we provide all these networking opportunities because when, when I was a filmmaker and, you know, you work in a bubble, there's a, you know, I was in Chicago, but I still only knew a few filmmakers. Like it's not, it's not some kind of occupation where, you can walk in a bar and there's like five people that do what you do, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you're just like, how many, you know, there's 10 DJs in town, right? So right. it's like, you know, how... How do you stand out? How, how, and then how do you just like talk to someone about what you're going through? And or like, hey, I'm struggling a little bit in my career here, you know, like what are some resources? And they go, Oh, actually, you know what? I was going through the same thing and you should talk to this person or that person, or let me introduce you to them. And, you know, or just, yeah, I went through the same thing. And, you know, I just got to say like, you know, hang on because that camaraderie? X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's I a, mean, it's a, con- it's a conference without any official, like, you know, it, it, it's by default, but we're hopefully going to change that and make it more official of a conference at some point. Well, and hearing, you know, hearing the depth of that for a filmmaker, what yeah. this means to them. Right. Oh, and you don't crazy. know if yeah. this is the last, like, this yeah. is my last film festival. Yeah. It's either this or I'm going to go back right. to whatever. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that emotional piece of it yeah. for a filmmaker, because that is that creativity, the artistic mm-hmm. that's there's a lot of emotion in that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're you're putting yourself out there and that the vulnerability, you know, so I, I gave the like the technical definition of independent film, but the character of an independent film is also very important. And the the character of most independent films, and I'm not talking really about the ten million dollar ones. The character of the independent films we typically screen are very personal, you know, very cutting edge, very personal, very immediate. Um, because like you know, there, there's there's few barriers to making, you know, to catching reality or the the timeline is is much shorter from being able to in theory to to be able to have an idea to make a movie so if i'm smart and i have an idea i have a phone and yeah a lot of movies are made on iPhones um i can shoot this thing 
in a couple weeks with my buddies and I could cut it on my, you know, you don't even need a Mac. Uh, now you don't even need Adobe, you know, Premiere. I, 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 you know, and this was one dude in 2004, this guy, Jonathan Coulette made this really influential documentary that he did shoot or that he did cut on an iMovie. And that was a big story because it was a big hit out of Sundance, but it was a very personal story. It was his story about, um, gosh, like, I think his mom's and his own, you know, battles with schizophrenia and his mm. own uh, coming out story. Remarkable, like, filmmaking. But, um, you know, so, like, that's the character of the movie. It's something immediate, something personal. And it, it, what's great about those is it's just so unfiltered that, the, you know, sort of the emotions are raw in the theater. And then when the filmmaker's there, it's like, it's even more like, oh, this is the person that went through that. And then a lot of the audience people who can relate and that's the big thing about film is that, you know, great Roger Ebert said it's an empathy machine, which is true. You know, we've all read books throughout history and I've identified with characters. There's something more about film that where you really get into someone's head. You know, you really get into someone's experience, at least for, um, you know, for that little time that you're with them on the screen. You have nothing in common on paper, but you really identify with that person through that medium when it's done well so it's just it's just a really deep experience that's really cool fun and open and um yeah i think that's what people get most out of it now the theme for the festival this year is connection mm -hmm. that um seems incredibly appropriate after what you just said um what, what is there anything in particular about the theme or how you settled on that well that i mean that's really always been the theme of the festival it's just more relevant now right as we feel this you know as we emerge from disconnection and uh, emerge and back into uh, a social world you know it's not it's not super easy to to you know sort of retrain your brain about how things used to just easily be um it's all things that have been hard you know socially are harder um and you know uh Everything is um, getting better, and, and I, because the festival has always been about connection, you know, like really bringing the community together, um, putting people in the same space, you know, watching film um, together as a community. You know, the lights go down, uh, something gets on screen, and something very deep is happening, and you you just kind of even know that the person that made it is in the room and you don't know the person next to you, but you, you absolutely, you know, feel everything that's going on in that theater. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the thing creates uh, an emotion and a connection in and of itself. You know, everyone, if a good film, everyone's in there and everyone's feeling the same things or different versions of the same things. And it's, it's incredibly connecting, um, and, uh, you know, in, in kind of a raw experience, you know, it's not, these movies aren't a, like a passive viewing experience. It's very active. Um, and just in really enlivening. What makes a good filmmaker in your opinion? I, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, I thought about this a lot when I was a filmmaker, like everyone has their own styles and, you know, it's, I, I'm a very like naturalistic, so I really get attached to i mean the stories that i tell are very natural real you know like I, I i like getting these nuances of reality and and showing them on screen and you know 
adding dramatic elements or whatever. But there's filmmakers that I love that are totally, you know, like sci-fi, whatever. And what what a really successful, when you break it down, successful filmmaker is someone who just creates a world and makes every part of that absolutely believable from start to finish. You're never out of the moment. You never sit back and go, mm, eh, I don't <laughs> buy that, you know. And, and that's arguable in and of itself because I've sat in, you know, in theaters and I was like, yeah, they lost me right there. And they're like, oh, are you kidding me? That was the best part. And, you know, like I totally bought that. I was in, you know. Um, but I, I think that's the that's the thing. And, 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 you know, it relates back to connection. You're con- you're absolutely connecting with what's going on screen and the people that are there being portrayed. Right. Um, you know, we have films that are about people from all over the world. We're in Central Oregon. It's it's a very different place than most of the world. Um, I mean, everyone can say that about their place, but you know, there, there's some, uh, there's some, you know, real differences and it, it really brings a world to you and, and you can watch the news and learn things, but the film, you know, it, it just, it, it helps you then experience how other people are experiencing these things. Become in the a news. part of it. Yeah. It's like, you know what's going on in the news. You know the facts. Or, right. <laughs> or you don't. Or you're told things that are totally yeah. not fact. And, and then and you go, okay. But when you see that, you know, whatever that fact is portrayed in someone's story, then you're like, whoa, okay. This is, wow. Well, like staying curious yeah. would be. Right. Yeah. Part of that. Curious and connected to things, you know. You're just not. You're not in some bubble, right? Like, you know, you're connected to these things that happen around the world. And this, it's a nice reminder of that, you know. So you also have, just going through some of the talking points here, the opening mm-hmm. night film is called The Pez Outlaw. Yeah. So is that, that's for every, the film festival, there's always an opening night film that right. is selected yeah. to start it off. Yeah. What made you decide on that particular film? Yeah, well, um, this is always not the easiest decision we make because it really, it has, um, what do I say, like a, a really distinct impression on how the rest of the festival goes when the open night film. So we want something that is deeply meaningful, um, also has an element of fun, also, um, you know, has an element of depth to it. Um and and or brilliance um, in in meaning, uh, so that people will then walk out of this and, and feel the this buzz that stays with them for the next four days. And the Pezala is just it's one of those movies that you you know like just on paper is like what and, and just well, you follow just the, these stories. The title made me think it was amazing. maybe a western or something. Or I wasn't sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, it. talking about great filmmakers, this is about a guy who smuggles Pez dispensers into the U.S. <laughs> and it's a it's a documentary. Um, by a, a, a guy I've known for a long time, uh, and his wife teamed up to make this. Um, and you know, Celine selected this film and uh, advocated for it to be opening night. I had nothing really to do with that decision, and it just happens that it's incredible. Um, so it's just a really fun movie-going experience and, and enlightening, and and that's what we really want to start the fest off with. You know, just this. It's, create well, a buzz the, and be like yes this is i remember what the festival was like yes i told the I, topic I, and how they yeah. found the importance and how they came across that topic yeah. i mean i do that with a lot of authors like how did you find out about this right. and what made you keep digging yeah and you know and bring it out so it's pretty i mean that part is always 
fascinated me and I've always been in awe of people that do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. let's peel back. Let's pick at that scab a little more right. and see right. what's there. Yeah. Ben film is, is year round. It's not necessarily just that oh, yeah. weekend. There's education. Oh yeah. Um, there's so many other things that it right. does that we don't. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is this keeps going. And then for yeah. like next year's film festival, right. when do you start? Once this is done, yeah. is it already planning for next year? Yeah. All that well, behind the scenes I, stuff. I, our festival's year round because of the Tin Pan. You know, uh, Tin Pan Theater, um, if y'all haven't been there, that is a must thing to do in Bend. Um, we have outdoor movies, inside movies. We program now five, six movies a week. Um, so the festival's year-round with the Tin Pan um, on, a, on a much smaller scale, but just as deep. Um, so that's a whole lot of fun to have that theater. And um, and then I, in December, we will, and probably starting in December, because we used to start in January, but we have to move that up because I think we're going to get more movies next year, start getting submissions for um, 2023 in December. What can the community do to help Bend Film? Well, I'd say, you know, the, the going back to just how the festival model works, you know, so we're not a commercial enterprise um, like the Regal and, you know, Marvel movies will make money, you know, just by being there. And people will pay $20, you know, to see a Marvel movie in IMAX and whatnot. And that'll be enough to, you know... Uh, for them to stay in the black. But w- what's great about the festival and what the community does is because we have members and sponsors and donors that um, these wonderful people allow us to keep the ticket price low so that anyone can, you know, see, come to a Ben film event um, and, and afford it. You know, our tickets are typically 12 bucks or 10 at the tin pan. And um, uh, also sliding scale online. And, you know, our members and sponsors and donors uh, and people that attend our fundraiser and things, they pretty much supplement everything that we do. So we can keep the ticket prices low because um, because they're so generous and, and want more people as part of it. So the more people that can, you know, donate, become members, uh, the more stuff we can do, the more people we can afford to hire and the more people that, uh, you know, we can keep on staff and, and pay them you know, what, uh, what they deserve. So it, it really helps to have that community buy-in. And I, it, the one thing I got to say is like filmmakers, every filmmaker that visits Ben's just comes away enamored with the community because that connection is so deep that happens and filmmakers go like, gosh, people have said things to me that I've never <laughs> heard before in my life. And I've been to a thousand festivals and people here are something special. And, you know, like that's, that's the type of thing. So, I, you know, we always had this uh, line that, you know, Ben Film is by Bend and for Bend. And it's true because um, that support just enables everything we do. And it's this huge feedback loop, you know, and it's super cool. So if we were to go to BenFilm.org, mm-hmm. .org, mm-hmm. um, we can see what films are coming up so we can select which ones we want to see. Or so how tomorrow, that? tomorrow, that official... Um, Tomorrow, uh, on Thursday, 9 a.m., um, the 25th, we will announce at least the competition portion of it. We'll have spotlights uh, announced soon and shorts announced soon. But, yeah, we can browse Just those 20, 20 films. You know, we're going we're gonna to do it in bite-sized chunks so that people can, you know, 
uh, have have time to look at them all. Well, Todd Luby, I appreciate you coming in. We just have seconds left. Sure. Um, could have kept talking. I appreciate you coming in. You've educated me, and I'm sure our listeners as well. This is an important event, so. important mm-hmm. to bend filmmakers at creativity, the connection, all of those things. Empathy, I like that word too. Yeah. So bendfilm.org is the place to go. Mm-hmm. We'll get yeah. Thank you, and, and please come back. Yeah. Have more um, discussion. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, we only... Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, Another edition of Open Air in the Books, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Dawn. Open Air is written, produced, and hosted by Dawn Newton. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.